Welcome to Thriller Bitcoin. Welcome to Thriller Bitcoin. I miss RHR, man. I miss it. Life was simple back then. Yeah, I mean, we both have a lot of things going on <laughs> since then. So, uh, bullish on that. Yeah. I actually, the first time we, I think we ever met in person because we had, you were my virtual producer for a while on RHR <laughs> before we met in person. Yeah. You brought me a Bucky's Christmas sweater. Yeah, I remember that. I still wear it. I mean, mostly during the holiday season, but like I was wearing it a couple of days ago. Oh, Good vibes. Yeah, those were those were really good times because that was around the time when you guys were starting ten thirty one. I think open sets was like maybe a thing too. Nowadays, open sets like first. yeah, nowadays, dude, those are those have taken off, man. Tell us about like yeah, tell tell us about that journey, man. Like, because I, I, it's an inspiration to me personally to see you and Marty and the rest of the guys at ten thirty one do what you do. Because I remember seeing it from the inception. It's it's wild, man. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's easy for people to say like, Oh, like it came out of nowhere like this, that, like everything is just this long, long road, right? Open sets. Well, RHR is right now. Uh, I think we're at six years or about to hit six years of RHR. So every week, Matt and Marty talk on rabbit hole recap. It doesn't matter what the hell's going on in the world. It doesn't matter what the hell's going on in our personal lives. Like if a week exists, we're talking about Bitcoin and the latest things in Bitcoin. And then OpenSats is about three years old now. Um, 1031 is about two and a half years old. And most of it has been built completely in the public. Like if you listen to Rabbit Hole Recap, like you can see it just happened very slowly, right? I mean, there's a, there's a, uh, there's our first real public launch of OpenSats was at Bitcoin 2021. And I was still consulting for Bitcoin Magazine at that time. Um, and I built out this panel. It was like uh, funding the open source ecosystem. And I was the moderator. And our OpenSets co-founder, Ben Price, was sitting next to me. And uh, we had Schmitty from Brink. And we had Hong from OKX. And if you go back and you listen to it, you know it feels like a decade ago. And that was three years ago. Yeah. And you just... We just kept pushing, you know, pedal to the metal and just pushing forward and a little bit fake it till you make it kind of thing. We had never run an open source foundation. I had never been in a venture fund. Um, 
And, and we kind of just made both work and a lot of behind the scenes and just constantly push, 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 push. And now they're, they're, they're both doing great. I'm incredibly bullish on both. I'm very, I'm very grateful that we started when we started because it seems, especially uh, on both sides, but both open sides and 1031 seem more needed than they've ever been needed. And you just can't start that. You can't, if you started it now, you gotta, you know, it's going to take another four years to get it to like a, a really good spot. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I, uh, the, the, the way I've always lived my life in general is, and particularly on the Bitcoin side is, you know, I've been active in the Bitcoin space for 10 years now. If someone can do something better than me or execute better than I can, I would rather them do that. Like time is scarce. I like to focus on things that other people aren't, at least from my view, aren't executing on well. And rabbit hole recap, that has been our thesis with rabbit hole recap the whole time. Um, I would love if there was, an, you know, another weekly news show that I could listen to on a regular basis for the last five years. Um, open sats. I didn't want to do paperwork and stuff when, when Ben came to me and was like, let's launch this thing. I was like, that, that sounds like a ton of paperwork, but no one else, no one else was doing it. And that was before HRF dev fund existed. I think Brick yeah. was like, like had just freshly launched when he first came to me with the idea. Cause like three years, maybe he came to the, I came to me with the idea like four years ago. And then I was like, we, uh, we tried to do Bitcoin dev list first and, and fund developers directly. Cause that's ideal if you don't have a trusted third party in the middle. And most people seem like they wanted a board to make a decision. So then we, we assembled a board and we built the fucking thing out. But anyway, my point is, um, my point is, is I try and, evaluate where things are needed. And then I try and focus my time and energy on those things. And that's just a, a, like the core principle of, of how this all kind of happened. Yeah, dude. I think for, for me personally, man, I think just, you know, seeing you guys for a year, like working underneath y'all just as a producer, like not, not, not a big role or anything, but just seeing you guys put in the work every week, the consistency, the way you carried yourself, the way, what you expected. Um, and then like, you know, just basically working with Marty, like, you know, however many hours a day, whatever it was and seeing the way he carries himself, the way he gets stuff done. Like to me, that was the most like eye-opening thing. I was like, oh, wow, I'm not even where I should be. Like just as a person or just even as a, I thought I was, but I, I not even close, man. Like, I don't think people realize just how much actual like work and um, it actually takes to, to, to accomplish the things you want to accomplish in Bitcoin. Can you talk to that? Yeah, I mean, like low time preference isn't just a meme. Long term thinking isn't just a meme. Uh, a lot of like it, people can find success uh, if you keep pushing forward and you keep momentum and you and and you have you have some confidence in yourself and you have some faith in yourself and you have some conviction and you keep pushing forward. Now, I will say. Um, there's a little bit of a reverse incentive, particularly in this space, because if you don't act ethically and, and you choose, you choose to take the, the less moral path, you can usually make a lot more money in the short term. Um, and, and my thesis isn't completely altruistic. Like I, 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 I think, and it kind of goes with the whole, like stay humble stack sats mantra is I, I think that if you think long-term, you will end up doing better and being more successful while maintaining your integrity than these people that, that take shortcuts and, 
and and lack integrity just to be straight up on that but yeah. there there obviously are exceptions to the rule you know there are people that hawked ICOs and hawked tokens and and did very well from themselves and I don't pretend like I'll ever outperform them uh, from a strictly <laughs> financial point of view but at least I can look my children in the eyes um, and and say I did my best and and that I did it that I did it with integrity I mean some of the, and it, it's so crazy too, right? Because a lot of times people act like you're crazy. Uh, like, I, how so, like how so, man? Like, what do you mean? Like how so? Like, Well, like part of our, part of, one of the cool parts about 1031 is, so 1031 right now is we have 36 portfolio companies. Uh, so we have 36 Bitcoin, uh, mostly startups, early stage startups led by fantastic founders. A lot of them are my friends. Uh, or, and some of them have become my friends afterwards that I get to work very closely with. Right. And it's very interesting dichotomy, right? Because I'm working with them behind the scenes, but then also, also I'm, you know, publicly speaking in front of a massive audience every week. Uh, and the combination of the two means that I have a, a, a ton of insight into, mm. into but also most people that listen to rabbit hole recap have access to the same amount of insight because I rarely censor myself, uh, when I'm on air. That's like, true, I, dude. I, I've seen you behind the it. scenes and I've seen you in front of the scenes and yeah, it's the same guy. There's um, no, but like the, yeah. a perfect example right now are, are mempools, right? So I was screaming from the top of my lungs, fees will rise. People should expect to stay in high fee market. No one was really listening. I could have like long threads about that. So then I just went, you know, full caps, mempools will never clear again. And was very provocative. And then mempools cleared twice, right? And people were like dunking on me. They were like, Matt, you're wrong. Look, it technically cleared. It did this. It did that. Um, but meanwhile, behind the scenes, we were helping support mempool build their transaction accelerator. We were helping support the guys at Mutiny and Fetty roll out early versions of Fediment and, and better self-custodial tools. We were working with the guys at Strike um, to, to streamline their onboarding process in a potential high fee environment. Um, and all these things, they pay dividends later in terms of, of the infrastructure available to the community. You can't build a transaction accelerator for mempool. You know, it, it's, it's going to take a year to build it. Right. But good thing we started a year ago right. because we need it today. Right. Good thing Fediment, you know, started that project started a year and a half ago because we need it today. We need it yesterday. Um, and, but in the meantime, publicly, I just, People just say I'm a fucking crazy person. And it takes a while for those theses to play out. We, we saw massive VC money pile into this thesis of, of stable coins on Lightning. Makes zero sense. Makes absolutely no sense to have Tether on Lightning. Tether is completely centralized. You're trusting Tether regardless. So you might as well use a centralized chain to transfer it because the cost will be lower and the UX will be will usually be be easier and faster or whatever, like better UX for people. Because you're not trusting the underlying chain, you're trusting Tether. I said this publicly since the beginning of Taro's announcement. Millions, tens of millions of dollars went into that it went into that thesis and 1031 just sat out of it and tried to focus on things that we thought were more important for the ecosystem. And meanwhile, now we're here 16 months later, 18 months later, um, and that seems pretty obvious to people. On-chain fees are crazy in a, in a high on-chain fee environment. Lightning uh, takes some of that because you need at least two, 
two on-chain transactions for every Lightning channel, an open and a close, um, and fees go up. And guess what? It's cheaper to transfer Tether on Tron. And that's, you know, Justin Sun is a fucking scammer, and you know one should own <laughs> Tron. I don't even suggest people own own, own Tether because it has, you know, massive third-party risk. But but that's the fact of the matter. Like, no one is using Tether on Lightning. No one will use, uh, very few people, if any, will use Tether on Lightning in the future. And the majority will use whatever centralized chain is, is the one that's running uh, at the given time. And they can switch at will, right? We see Tether switch at will all the time. Um, OpenSats took a, it kind of worked in tandem, which was nice. On the 1031 side, we were able to get capital in a lot quicker because it's human greed, right? Uh, people wanted wanted partial ownership in Bitcoin companies because they were incredibly bullish on Bitcoin and they wanted to support the ecosystem, but they also wanted some financial upside, right? So it was, it was much easier to bring in money into 1031. Um, and then uh, we, you know, we were very fortunate that, that uh, Jack Dorsey came in and, and OpenSats is 100% pass-through, right? So this is a very radical departure from traditional nonprofits. We take zero cut of all donations. All donations go to open source contributors. Um, Jack Dorsey came in and was willing to pay, not only give us a, a $10 million donation, wow. but also a separate donation that was for operations. Nice. That, and it allowed us to come in and hire Gigi full-time. Nice. And have a proper person running it full time, even though his sal- his salary does not come out of the regular donation pool. It's it's a separate donation pool. Um, so as a result, all of a sudden, we not only had capital, but we had the means to deploy it efficiently. And OpenSats has hit the ground running. I, we have sixty nine announced grants right now uh, that are being paid out or have already been paid out. Some of them are are on monthly cadences where we'll we we do. We do grants as long as two years sometimes on monthly cadences. So people have, they get monthly payouts, but it's a, it's a fixed amount in dollar terms or Euro terms or whatever, so that they can actually leave their fiat job and focus full time. We have smaller grant sizes and a lot of these things we're funding with no strings attached, not taking any equity positions in these projects. Some of these are open source. A lot of them are just open source projects that don't have a company on top of. Um, we'll pay massive dividends to users in 12 months, 16 months, 18 months, 19 months. And it's, it's not easy for people to necessarily analyze that today, right? That, that there's a particular skill set there. Um, so yeah, I, so part of OpenSats, and this goes to the long-term building thing is, is, is when Ben and I decided we were going to launch this thing, we, we had learned from the Bitcoin foundation. Uh, we had learned from all these other organizations that had gotten corrupted in Bitcoin's history. Yeah, wasn't that we, Bruce Fetton back in the day, right? He started the, the Bitcoin Foundation? Wasn't that him? No, he joined later, but okay. yeah, it was a complete... But it imploded, it was, right? Didn't it implode or something? Yeah, it was really bad. Yeah. Everything was bad. Ego gets to everyone's head. So one of the things we did was we did a nine-person board. People thought we were crazy. Nine-person board just adds so much friction. Right. And the more board members, the more friction, even just board meetings. You have to all meet. You all have to have a time to meet. Mm-hmm. Um, we got great board members, uh, ride or die Bitcoiners, you know, long histories in the space, high integrity people. Um, and we distributed that risk. And I, you know, I, I don't even know where I'm going. With, I guess where I'm going with this is a lot of these things. Sorry, my dogs are in no, the that's fine. I'm getting excited. 
a lot of these things, you know, they compound on top of each other. And so the nine person board, if, if, if you're watching right now on Twitter or I don't use Twitter anymore, but people know I don't use Twitter. So they like dragging my character on Twitter because they're cowards and don't want to come to respond to them and they can't delete. Uh, there's, there's people saying like Matt's corrupted, you know, he has investments here. He's involved with open sets. That's, that's why we have a nine person board on open sets yeah. because it's five of nine votes to approve something. You could have, you could have four corrupted board members and something won't, someone won't get money as long as it's not five of nine. We made it, we made an intentional decision there to, to add friction um, and accountability and every, every single open sats application comes in, we all discuss it, review it, it is an extensive review process, and then we all vote and it's all tracked in Git. So we have, you know, nice. all these records, everything. And we're gonna we're gonna release transparency supports and stuff, and we need to be careful with donors. But also the same thing on 1031. On 1031, we have four managing partners. It's me, Marty, Grant, and Jonathan. And and none of us make the decision on our own. Right. It's a three or four decision on, on, on deals when we make these deals. And a lot of these things like they they might not make sense until you're like 15 months later, 16 months later. And it's about building this strong foundation that you can build on top of. Um, so when rubber hits the road and things get a little bit tougher and accusations start getting thrown around and people start using you as the basis of, of conspiracy theories. Um, you actually have a very strong foundation uh, to continue building and, and supporting the ecosystem. Yeah, I think I think there's a lot of touch, things I want to touch on, but just I think the way you kind of think through it is kind of how I'm thinking through it these days. But you do need uh, an open sets of a sort, and then you do need that venture fund. And I think the reason you need that is because I see it here every day at Plublop, right? Like all the builders that come out of here, whatever, if they want to do a Bitcoin company, cool. We want to help them get pre-seed funding or you want to help them get donations. It doesn't matter to us. We just need to be willing to help them in whatever path they want to go. But what's interesting though, is I think you, I think you do need to allow those people to make their own decisions because I've talked to many builders who don't want to take venture capital. They just want to continue doing it the hard way, building a Bitcoin business over the course of 10 years. And there's people that do want venture capital because they want to, you know, jump into market and do that kind of stuff. Can you talk a little bit about that and, and what you're seeing on your side as far as like, you know, that, and maybe like skating to the puck, right? Like what you were talking about earlier, a lot of the stuff that you guys were doing two years ago, you were skating to the putt. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I think of, I think of them as complimentary, right? And so like, what is the, what was the problem that I thought needed to be solved? The problem I thought needed to be solved was there's really good Bitcoin founders and, and maintainers of open source projects and open source contributors, and they weren't able to get funding. They needed money. You know, money r runs the world around us, right? They needed money. And the shit corners were coming in and they were just dropping money on ridiculously dumb projects, sometimes scams, sometimes straight up dystopian, like WorldCoin. So we saw that, that, that founders needed options. Maybe they could bootstrap it themselves, but it shouldn't be the only option that they have to fund all this stuff out of pocket, right? And I didn't, at the time, I didn't know both would be successful. Um, and I thought both could be good avenues for it. So I, you know, I agreed to, to do both, right? Like I, Ben had this crazy idea. I was like, yeah, let's launch this fucking thing. Let's go assemble a board. And Grant came to me and he was like, I have this crazy idea. 
you know, I'm a former suit and now I'm a ride or die freak. Like let's launch a venture fund. I was like, fuck it, let's do it. Um, and I've learned a lot more since then, but the key is that, that founders have options. Um, and, and specifically on 1031, we're not a typical venture fund. We're Bitcoiners first, right? If you go back and listen to rabbit hole recap, I was shitting on VCs for years. Um, and I still shit on VCs, even though I am a VC now, because we do it differently. We're Bitcoiners. And it's, it's very helpful to companies having Bitcoiners as partners because in a bear market, when you're in a 400-day bear market, on a call, you don't have to explain to me that Bitcoin's not going to die. We just explain how we just have a conversation straight off the bat of how are we going to survive this bear market? How are we going to be in a better position? What's best for users? What's best for the company? And and then on the open set side, I think it's it's really helpful that that founders don't feel forced into going into a VC relationship. Like that is always setting it up for failure. And my my real belief is what I want to see is I think Bitcoin creates this new world where you're able to have projects that are built on free and open source software um, that are still monetizable and sustainable. And so the ideal open source project to me, and this is different for something like a protocol like Bitcoin, which is, you know, it, 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 it defeats its purpose if you try and monetize it. Like you need the protocol to just be like completely open and independent. Um, but like the a beautiful project, for instance, and he didn't take any grant funding and he didn't take any VC funding is Sparrow, oh, right? Wow. Sparrow is a completely false project, has no KYC and it's monetized with Bitcoin. He has a, uh, Craig Raw has a sustainable income that comes in through coin join fees and he gets paid in Bitcoin, but the underlying project is completely open source. Um, and so like the dream for me is is if we can, out of, especially out of OpenSats, uh, if we can fund projects that later are able to become sustainable and don't rely on grant funding anymore, that's massive. And that could be in two different paths, right? That could be their first funding is no strings attached on OpenSats, and then they take VC funding later, and then they successfully monetize. Or it could just be straight, they take money from OpenSats for a year or two, and then after that, they're sustainable and they don't have to anymore, and then we can move that grant funding somewhere else. Um, so I, 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 the, the, the coolest part is that founders, uh, project maintainers, they have a lot of options now, um, on how they want to proceed. And, and that just makes it a better, um, more conducive environment for them to build these projects. And it makes it better for the end users at the end of the day, they're going to have more options as well. Yeah, I think, dude, that's such a great way of thinking of how the, the cycle of a Bitcoin company or a Bitcoin project works, right? You have these two cycles going like this. And even if that Bitcoin company is self-sustainable and becomes something big over time, they can then put back what they put took, put back into open sets, what they took out, you know, and vice versa the other way too. It's really cool how you're thinking through that. Um, yeah, I mean, if you think about it too, like one of the cool things about open sets is we run on a Bitcoin standard. So if you donate, you can donate with Bitcoin or you can donate with dollars. You can donate anonymously or you can donate and get the tax deduction. Obviously, if you get the tax deduction, you know, you, you need to give identifiable information for the tax receipt. Um, if you donate in dollars, we automatically convert it into Bitcoin. So we only hold Bitcoin. Um, so if you believe in Bitcoin, uh, with adoption, the purchasing power should increase. And so should, so should the purchasing power of our treasury. And you kind of build this like beautiful flywheel type effect yeah. where if we, if, if, if we are successful in continuing receiving donations, um, 
which I implore everyone, please consider supporting OpenSats. I think we're, our work speaks for itself. Um, we support these projects. They become sustainable. They start generating SaaS flow themselves. They're, re, you know, they're getting Bitcoin cash flow through their projects. And I like to think without us telling them, a lot of them will come and support OpenSats back. And then all of a sudden we have this, this freedom treasury that's held in Bitcoin that's accruing value over time that's able to support more and more projects. Um, and like the implication there, I mean, OpenSats now is like three-year-old baby, maybe a little bit longer. Uh, the implication for like, what is the next three years for OpenSats? What's the next 10 years for OpenSats is fucking insane. Like, I don't pretend I know how to comprehend it. I just have blinders on, you know, one step in front of the next, like, uh, the, let's make sure we don't lose the Bitcoin. Let's make sure the payouts go out. You know, every time <laughs> we send out payouts, it's geographically distributed multi-sig wallets. Yeah. The most bullish fucking thing ever. Yeah. E um, even, even if everything else collapses, right? Like that's like the one thing you can hang your hat on and be like, yo, yeah. we actually did something for humanity. You want to know why I'm all caps on Nostra. Well, that's part of the reason. Yeah. No, that's, that's great. That's a great way to look at it. I, I love that. And let's, let's talk about the 1031 stuff. Cause I think for, you know, there's a lot of founders that listen to this podcast, a lot of builders. And I, I want to know just like from your perspective, when you, when you look at companies from 1031's perspective and you know, just you in general, I know you give great advice. You and Marty have give, always given me great advice on the business side of things. What, 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 what do you guys look for as far as like a Bitcoin company in 1031? And then also, um, what's some, what's some really good advice you, you try to, you know, help these companies, help these founders with? Yeah. I mean, I, so the, the big difference is if, if you go with something like 1031, we have real skin in the game. And, and we will be there with you. And this is like classic VC meme bullshit, right? It's like, oh, we're a value add investor. We, we don't, we're more than just the money. Um, but I actually, <laughs> I think that's the case. I think if you ask our founders, they would say that's the case. Um, you know, constant calls, constant, whatever feedback you need. Like I try not to, they're, they're founders. We're supporting them on their, on their mission. Like I'm not going to get in your way. If, but if you need my help, I'm right there in the trench with you, right? We're all right there in the trench with you. Um, and also as the portfolio grows, like there's a lot of, there's a lot of complementary partnerships that can happen between our portfolio companies, right? And so if you're a new startup in the space and you're an early stage startup and, and you have a very strong team, like you come in and we become your partners and we can supercharge everything for you. We can, we can make that process a little bit easier. Like at the end of the day, it's, it's on the founders, right? It always comes down. It almost, especially early stage, it almost always comes down to the founders. Um, but, but we're there in the trenches, uh, with you. Now, one thing I would say to Bitcoin companies or Bitcoin founders, um, is there's a dichotomy here. And this is another reason why we're very different than a traditional venture fund in the fiat world. Venture investing is, is mostly spray or pray. You like send a, you do a bunch of mm -hmm. investments into a bunch of different companies. You might not even believe in half of them, but you think you'll have a couple big winners. And then the other thing you encourage is growth at all costs. You can monetize later and uh, chase for the exit. You want to raise, 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 mm -hmm. and then hopefully you get acquired by someone or you go public and we get our money back. Um, in a Bitcoin world, that, that, that script is flipped a bit. Um, yeah, explain that, Matt. Explain it. So, so if Bitcoin is increasing in purchasing power over time, right? And and you know, 
one Bitcoin now can buy you uh, whatever, like, and not necessarily, we measure it in dollars right now because we're pre hyper Bitcoinization, but you know, one Bitcoin can get you so far in payroll or one Bitcoin can get you so far on rent or one Bitcoin can get you so far on whatever expenses your business has. Um, it is way more difficult to earn an equivalent amount of Bitcoin at a later date, right? Because Bitcoin is constantly increasing with adoption. So you want to get cash flow. You want, we call it SaaS flow. You want to get Bitcoin cash flow ASAP. You want to start monetizing as quickly as possible. You want to start actually trying to be a, a profitable business sooner rather than later. And maybe, maybe the right path isn't an exit. Maybe the right path isn't getting acquired. Uh, for some companies, that might be the case. But for other companies, maybe they just pay out a dividend forever. And their investors oh, get a portion of their Bitcoin uh, revenue every, every year or every quarter or whatever. We have multiple companies that are doing the dividend model. Um, so it really does change the script. It, it, it removes it. Fiat has corrupted so much fucking shit. Um, so you, yeah, I mean, you, that's kind of how that's, that, that's yeah. a, a quick overview of how we no, kind of look at that's it. That's great stuff. Cause yeah, I mean, I mean, when I first started doing the pub, I didn't even think of it like that, to be 100 percent honest. It wasn't until later you get thrown into the trenches in a bear market. You start realizing like, oh, crap, I'm actually just building a business and it just happens to be in Bitcoin. Um, well, here's the thing, Carr, right? It's yeah. like the question we always hear. And this is one of the early things I was being accused of being a scammer, right? Is this idea of why would someone invest why would a Bitcoiner that's holding Bitcoin invest in a venture fund Right. when Bitcoin might outperform is most likely going to outperform the majority of Bitcoin startups, depending on where you are in the adoption cycle. Um, and that, that, that could very well be true. I think that's going to be, you know, incredibly hard uh, task to do to, to have like the majority of our companies outperform, outperform Bitcoin, just holding Bitcoin. Um, but what people don't realize, well, first of all, from an investor point of view, there's a flywheel effect. All of our investors hold Bitcoin. If they didn't hold Bitcoin before they approach us investing, we encourage them to, to stack first and, and have Bitcoin. And why is that? That's because I strongly believe in this idea that if we support these solid infrastructure companies and people can see our portfolio at 1031.vc, um, these are some of the best of the best Bitcoin companies that are, that are building the, the tools that we need as we enter Bitcoin standard, I think it makes Bitcoin more robust. I think it increases Bitcoin adoption. I think it s speeds up the entire process and, and makes Bitcoin stronger. And as a result of your holding Bitcoin, you get an indirect benefit from that that you don't even realize. The second thing is, I strongly believe that we're going to outperform A16Z, Sequoia, all the other fucking- <laughs> Bullish, <adventures>. dude. <laughs> um, I think we'll really, man, all Like really? Like really, Matt? Really? I'm incredibly confident on that. So, right. so all the Jason, uh, all the Calicanus, those guys, like look, look at the carnage that happened in the last two years, right? Almost everyone providing Bitcoin collateralized loans, uh, lost customer money and went bankrupt. Unchained didn't have a single loan loss. They liquidated some people, but the collateral was full. It was not rehypothecated and they didn't have a single loan loss. You don't see that in any kind of loan books across yeah. all traditional finance, right? But at the time, everyone was saying BlockFi is the darling. They're valued at $4 billion. FTX is the darling. They're valued at $32 billion. But we supported Unchained when very few people were willing to support Unchained, right? Yeah. Um, and that's, I think, by, by supporting companies that are, that are, are mission-aligned with Bitcoin, 
it, it helps Bitcoiners. But the last piece that I would say is everyone focuses on the investor. Every single founder is making the same exact trade-off. If you're a Bitcoin founder, time is scarce. Is your company going, is, is putting your time and energy into bootstrapping a startup, which is fucking difficult. TV makes it seem very easy. Starting a new business is extremely difficult. Running your own business is extremely difficult. The odds are stacked against you. Are you going to be able to accrue more Bitcoin than if you just simply worked in a cubicle and or worked at Bucky's? Bucky's pays really well <laughs> and and stack sats with it instead, right? Every single founder is thinking that as well. So I think people I, I, people miss that, right? And so as a founder, you have to realize that that is that is your goal, right? Your goal is is to accumulate Bitcoin. Um and that, that's how I live my life. That's how our founders live our lives. That's how our investors live our lives. And we're Bitcoin aligned across the entire stack. And yeah, I mean, there's something to be said about mission focused founders, because that's what you're talking about. You're like Bitcoin mission focused founders. And, and that's, that's, that's a thing. And I don't think, I don't think those are, that's even priced in yet. I think we're seeing more of those pop up all the time. I think when more you guys, than, yeah. The, 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 most of the companies we invested in and most of the projects that are supported via OpenSats didn't exist four years ago. It's a very new, right? Like all, almost all of the early quote unquote Bitcoin companies pivoted into a very strong shitcoin model. There was like very few that were like long-term focused on Bitcoin. Um, and so like, if you look at the age of a lot of these businesses, it's very, very new. And I'm very excited for, for what's in store in the next four years, five years, six years. It's, it's incredibly bullish. I mean, you see it on the ground in Austin. I see it on the ground in Nashville. Yeah. Um, obviously we have Mar Marty in Austin as well, but it's, it's so impressive. Yeah. It's so impressive to see it, dude, especially with all the AI stuff and, um, the Bitcoin and how it intersects. There's really cool projects being built around that right now that I'm seeing. I to Last but not least, I would add just on this because it's such a yeah. hot button issue yeah. that no matter how transparent I am and no matter how willing I am to ask any question, which by the way, like we talked about rabbit hole recap, Citadel Dispatch is a live unedited show with a live audience chat that is unmoderated. I, I literally try and I, I try and operate in the space with the most transparency possible. Because I've, I've seen I've seen so many people just don't have, you know, don't hold integrity to a high regard and just throw that all out there. Um, and so this particular question about specifically, you know, why, why and why, why fund Bitcoin startups when you can just stack sets is we're also not targeting, you know, like your average pleb. You know, these are these are institutional investors. These are rich family offices. And that's why I bring up. Um, that's why I bring up Sequoia and A16Z, because these people have allocations to the shitcoin funds and the fiat funds. They should be pouring that money into Bitcoin. And if you're going to donate, if, if your big corporation is going to donate to water or donate to some other charity, they should donate to OpenSats. Like the, these people, these corporations, these rich people, they have massive allocations to charities. And to, and to venture funds. And those should all be channeled into solid Bitcoin projects. Like that's the goal. Right. Do you think, do you think those people will come in next cycle or do you think it's going to take a couple more cycles? Like Some this, of them are already here, man. What do you mean? What can you share? 
like the I mean, like I, the sequoias in them they're here oh no look i honestly and this is one of the reasons why it's it's a very unique situation where i could be radically transparent about our investment thesis with 1031 i don't think these guys can compete with us i think most bitcoin founders don't want them on their cap table they don't want them as partners mm. um so I mean, I think Sequoia and A16Z and stuff are pretty far away. And even the ones that started to think about Bitcoin, they got lost along the way. They're like, oh, stacks or this or that, you know? Yeah. Um, but they're toxic. They're, they're like, they're really, really toxic uh, to have as partners. You don't want them there. People don't want them there. Do you People think don't want come, to share an investor with Do you an think FTX, they'll come in though, man? the next FTX. Do you think they'll come in? Those people will come in this next cycle? As I, don't, I, I think uh, probably not this cycle, um, but if 1031 does what I expect 1031 to do, people will start turning their heads Yeah. Um, in terms of trying to, trying to compete with us and, and trying to end the big, like the, the crazy thing is we all realize that there's Bitcoin and then there's everything else. But if you look at a chart of invested capital, it's really, it's crypto and everything. And then Bitcoin is a smaller circle. Like they're just pouring all this investor money into, into shitcoin companies. And some are straight up scams. Some are Ponzi schemes, you know, and, and they're just pouring money into there and they just completely disregarded Bitcoin and it left a bad taste in a lot of people's mouths. Like I, most founders I talked to, a lot of our founders wouldn't even, they would just bootstrap the company themselves uh, if we didn't exist. And we allow them to supercharge it, right? Um, CoinKite, you know, another, one of the cool parts about our portfolio is the family of 1031 companies is we, we have such a uh, diverse intersection of Bitcoin only businesses yeah. that almost any tribe in Bitcoin can accuse me of, of being a bad actor based on a different company in the, you know, like some people hate Samurai, some people hate CoinKite, some people hate Strike. You know, it's like, it's like I'm getting, warring tribes all can agree that they hate me <laughs> because we're invested in supporting all of these companies. But CoinKite's a perfect example. Him and Peter bootstrapped that company for 10 years. Wow. Never turned, took any external capital because there was no good external partners to, to work with. They didn't want those people as partners of their business. Um but, but they trusted us as partners. They trusted us as partners. And what we were able to do is we were able to come in and, and provide some capital. And it, it, it sped up the process of them manufacturing the cards, the tap signers and the SAS cards and stuff. Now they could have waited six months, eight months, probably just done it themselves, you know. Um, but we, we supercharged that process. Um, and so they just probably would not have any external investors if we didn't even exist in the first place. Um, Someone like Strike, you know, Strike was was uh, being courted by a lot of the fiat VCs. Like that's probably more of the type of business that you would mm. see like a Sequoia A16Z come into because they're used to it, right? It's like a fintech business um, uh, with a Bitcoin flavoring. Um, but but Jack, you know, Jack launched Strike on Rabbitol Recap. It's like us being on the board, us being his partners was way more preferable um, than, than having a fiat VC that might give them more money and give them a better value, you know, give them a higher valuation or something like that, because he's, he's a Bitcoiner and he's thinking long-term. So we see this over and over again among the 1031 family of companies. Um, 
And this is a trend I think is, is not going away because Bitcoiners appreciate proof of work and we're putting the work in. We have, um, you know, reput- reputations we care about. We, we care about integrity and I don't, I'm not, I've never asked anyone to trust me on that. I don't think people should blindly trust me. I think, I think our record speaks for itself. Yeah, for sure. It definitely does, dude. I mean, everybody knows, everybody knows, um, how, how important RHR and you guys are to the, to the ecosystem and just what you all have been able to, to share with I'll everybody, you, you know, I'll tell you, Carl, one thing I am disappointed with in this, in this ecosystem yeah. is that unfortunately there is a growing trend of founders that come to 1031 pitch us on investment and and we we for whatever reason turn down that investment opportunity do not work with them and then all of a sudden you know a month later they're spouting conspiracy theories about me on twitter yeah. and it's just really frustrating but it comes with the territory it's something i'm expecting I think it's going to happen with open stats too. Like why didn't this person get a grant? Why didn't that person get a grant? Someone gets turned down for a grant. They hate the whole board, but that's why we have a nine person board. Like we have our board just, I want to give a huge shout out to our board. Our board is amazing. So it's Ben Price, um, Legend. Nifty, Patriot. Dread, <laughs> Elaine, Janine, yeah. Gigi, me and James O'Byrne. Mm-hmm. Did I get everyone? Yeah, you did. That was nine. Nice. I counted eight on my fingers, but I'm you, not reading you, the website. It's, the it's all listed on the website, opensats.org. But no, I think I think Matt, I think what it really is, Matt, is it just it just kind of shows just like at least for me, I can speak my book, but like for me, like you know, I got thrown into this role in like March. You know, did had no idea what the hell I'm doing, and then it wasn't until like August where I was like, oh, okay, I think I got some. You know, I think I understand what I'm doing now, and then just here lately, I'm just like firing on all cylinders. And I think for me, what it came down to was just living in truth and, and having conviction. And then, you know, I'm a, I'm a Christian, so I really pay a lot of attention to that and, and do my daily readings and stuff. And for me, I've come to realize that um, at the end of the day, it, it's it's on you to, to make whatever you want to see in the world happen. And if you get help, cool. If you don't, keep going. It, it'll come eventually. And I think NBK and what he did with um, CoinKite is a perfect example of that. You know, it's like, yeah, that conviction, you can bootstrap it. You'll, you'll figure it out if you really want to do this, if this is what your mission is. Uh, and that's just kind of the, that's kind of the way I, I look at things these days, as opposed to, you know, before, you know, not knowing anything. Um, but yeah. Yeah. I think people just really discount and underestimate um, how impactful and motivated individual can be. Um, and Basically, my goal is how can I support motivated Bitcoiners as much as possible, right? And I, I basically have three different paths of, of doing that, or I guess four. I have, I have OpenSats, I have 1031, I have Bitcoin Park, and I have the two podcasts, right? How can I, how can I use those to empower Bitcoiners that are, are building cool things and, and, and doing important work? Um, and uh, I'll just go once again, like we as an industry would be way worse off right now if Craig Raw didn't exist and wasn't motivated to make Sparrow Wallet. It is a fucking amazing piece of software that I'm reliant on all the time. Um, how do we motivate the next Craig Raw? Uh, Austin, there's like, 
10 people in Austin, I would include you in that, that are the reason, not the reason, but a core, a, a core component of why Austin is the Bitcoin powerhouse it is and why so many amazing Bitcoin projects come out of Austin. Um, so I would say to the young Bitcoiner out there is, you know, um, you can make a difference. You can make a real difference. Um, and, and, and if you, if you focus and, and, you, and you try to do it, the, the results will end up speaking for itself. And if I can support you in any way, uh, you know, don't hesitate to reach out. My, my mind is in a million different directions all the time right now. Car can attest to that. Yeah. Um, but uh, I will try my best to help you in, in however way I can. Yeah, that's what I always loved about you and, and Marty. Y'all are so generous with your time and probably shouldn't be. <laughs> but like, the, but you want to see people be successful. You want to see people like live out their lives, you know, you know, in, in this amazing new world that we're building together. Uh, I, I think for me, Matt, I think for me, like these days when I look at it, it's like, what can I do for my community and the people around me that I can bring fruit back to them? Like bring fruit from the outside to my community, to the people around me. And I, that's how I look at it these days. It's really simple, but you guys have been doing that. And I, I think that's the path. I don't know. It just feels like the right way to go about things when you think about others before yourself. And you're somebody that definitely does that, man. Like, well, One of the cool parts about Bitcoin is it doesn't have to come from a purely altruistic point of view, which makes it more likely to be successful, right? Because we all want to, like, if you hold Bitcoin, you want to see a, a successful Bitcoin future. And, mm -hmm. and there's some indirect monetary benefits for you and Bitcoin price increases. Um, I think there's very significant indirect freedom benefits as well, because I don't want my you know children and my grandkids to grow up in a fucking dystopia. Um, so I think there's a really strong benefit there. But this is how this type of movement scales. This is how a grassroots movement scales, because... If you lead by example and you support other people, then they will go lead by example and support other people. And then all of a sudden, instead of having one person talking to another person, you have 25 motivated individuals. And then there's 200 motivated individuals. And then there's 400. And it, the thing scales amazing at that point. Um, and then you're off to the races. So, yeah, that's been my focus. Try and help people. Try and lead by example. Admit that I'm not perfect. Right. Uh, try and maintain my humility. Uh, and, and just keep pushing forward because if it, if we don't do it, no one's going to do it. No, you know, we, we, you want Barry Silver controlling the VC ecosystem, <laughs> you know, you no. want, you want, you want suits doling out open source grants and, and choosing who gets funding and who doesn't get funding like yeah. that. It just, we, people need to stand up. We need to stand yeah. up. Look, let's talk about Bitcoin park and let's talk about the stuff that you guys have planned next year. And then we'll kind of wrap it up. But like what, um, yeah, tell us about Bitcoin Park. Why, why should founders go there? Why should, why should more projects think about looking at Bitcoin Park as a place to come and build? Yeah, so I mean, I think um, the, the way I break it down is there's, there's four pillars of freedom tech adoption. Um, there's education. Uh, there is uh, open source development. There's business infrastructure and there is grassroots community building, um, strong local communities. And some of my initiatives fill multiple boxes there. 
right? Some are more obvious than others. Obviously, 1031, business infrastructure, open sats, open source development. But I like to think the podcasts are very educational. I think Bitcoin Park is very educational. I think all three of those also help with building strong local communities. Um, but at the end of the day, like meeting in person is massive. And, you know, I don't believe in this idea, this top-down approach that like one day we're going to wake up and, you know, whoever our president is or whoever the next treasure, whoever's the next Janet Yellen, like decides like, oh, we're on a Bitcoin standard. And like, and then that, that's that, right? I don't think that's how this thing plays out. And I think a lot of people mistook what happened in El Salvador. To me, what happened in El Salvador was you had a strong grassroots local community in Bitcoin Beach that grew to the point where they could no longer be ignored by, by Bukele and the national leadership. And Bukele had two choices at that point. He could embrace it and, and, and potentially make a lot of money and, and, and have a country that's in a much better standing, or he could, he could attack it, right? He had two choices and he chose to embrace it. So to me, like El Salvador is not a top-down you know, president decides one day, wakes up, he's like, you know, we're Bitcoin standard. It was this grassroots community that built over years and, and they put in real work, right? It, and it looked dark for them for a long period. Like, are we crazy people? And then one day they weren't, right? And so when I look at, when I, when I look at global Bitcoin adoption, I think it starts in the local communities. It starts in the small communities. And, and so anything I can do to both build my local community, which is Bitcoin Park is a key part of that, but also help enable other people around the world building their local communities. And one of the cool parts is it's inherently decentralized. There's no like leader that reaches out to all the Bitcoin meetups and is like, okay, these are the talking points for this week, right? It's all these different people that are standing up. They're like, I got to do it for my local community. So, so to me, Bitcoin Park is this crazy confluence of ideas that just supercharges all of those things. Uh, we have free education events. Uh, we have founders building new projects. We have open source developers uh, working. We had, we, we're right next to Vanderbilt and uh, Belmont universities. We, we give the Vanderbilt kids free access during the week. One of them went to the summer Bitcoin program and started interning. Nice. Um, it just all compounds on top of each other. Uh, so, yeah, I, I would I would say I would say try and meet Bitcoiners in person. I would say try and meet other founders in person, try and meet other open source contributors in person. And keep in mind that I as as Bitcoin adoption happens, there's gonna be a place for these large conferences. You know, if if we have, you know, millions, hundreds of millions, billions of people start adopting Bitcoin, like there's going to be 20,000 person conferences, 40,000 person conferences, 80,000 person conferences. I think most of them don't provide value to actual people building in the space. I think it's the smaller high signal events. It's your local meetup. It's, you know, 150 person summit at Bitcoin Park. Those smaller high signal events where you can actually have a proper conversation and sit down and, and discuss and build off of each other. That's where real progress is made. And yeah, and I, I, I think what really, really pushed my hand to, to move quicker than slower, right? Because there's also this opposite side of building in your own local community is you're a little bit more exposed. You're a little bit more vulnerable. Right. Um, was COVID. It was like this move to digital communications first. 
And at, at, the, at the same time, it was not COVID, but the, the response to COVID, the state response to COVID with the lockdowns. At the same time that they pushed the majority of our society digital, there was this beautiful grassroots Bitcoin movement that was happening where people were actually going out and meeting in person. When Bitcoin meetups were going up. And like one of the things that I thought we could do, just to give you a little story, I've been ranting a little bit, but to just give you a little no, story. This is beautiful. I remember going in 21, dude. Like you guys were just yeah. in that that uh, pub thing, remember? Exactly. Um, and it was a lot of people, dude. Dude, we had a lot of, they started freaking out. It was one of the reasons we needed the park. Was yeah, because they were like, can't have 150 people in a brewery <laughs> while COVID's going on. And I was like, what are you talking about? Of course we can. We're buying beer. Like you should be happy. Um, yeah. One of the things when we launched Bitcoin Park is we had first launched the meetups. Um, we launched our meetup. The meetup had been going for like nine months. It had really good traction. And that's what I would say. First, launch a meetup. Launch a meetup, you know, get some space in a bar on an off night. They're happy to have you and grow into it. Don't like go crazy right away. Like you have to slowly dip your toe and build yourself into it. But we were like, okay, maybe it makes sense that we should have our own space and we should, we should control our own space and not have to deal with unions or any outside people. Um, and one of the things that seemed like a great idea was, oh, there's all these Nashville tech meetups. Like Nashville actually has a, a, a pretty strong fiat tech scene. Really? Um, yeah. That people don't know about. And we're like, oh, like one of our issues, you know, it's not a competition, but compared to Austin is we have less Bitcoin developers in Nashville. But what if we help encourage existing Rust developers mm. and existing Python developers and existing React Native developers to move into Bitcoin? So we reached out to all these meetups and we had a a meetup of meetups. So we hosted them at Bitcoin Park. It was the leaders of all these different tech meetups. And dude, the stories they were telling us about how much they've struggled to keep attendance up during the COVID lockdowns was crazy. And meanwhile, like Rod and I are standing there. We're like, oh yeah, we're averaging 150 yeah. to 250 people a month. They're like, are you fucking kidding me? Like we've moved virtual. You know, they a lot of them are struggling. So I think people do not appreciate the, the unique mission alignment that Bitcoiners have. Like we are a crazy, crazy bunch. <laughs> uh, and as a result, like the trends we see is, is, is completely different than you see in all these kind of overlapping fiat sectors. And one of the reasons, by the way, I kind of left out this part, but one of the reasons we reached out to these meetup people wasn't just because we wanted to get their developers to move to Bitcoin, but also because as meetup hosts, we know like one of the hardest parts as a meetup host is like finding a good place to host your yeah. meetup. So we had this place. It was sitting empty a lot of the time. It was like, oh yeah, it's like a perfect win-win. Um, but yeah, crazy. it was crazy talking to the other, to, talking to like fiat meetup organizers. They're That's in a so completely great. different world. And it's, you know, probably the single most bullish thing is just like how much excitement and motivation there is within the Bitcoin community. Yeah, dude, when I went to, I was went, went to grassroots for that thing. And like, I, and there was a young guy there that was like, knew about all sorts of Bitcoin stuff. And, and I think it was one of the Vanderbilt guys there. And, uh, and then just being at the park, dude, it just feels like home. It's just, it's just like going home, dude. Um, I don't know how else to explain. It's a special place, man. It's, uh, it, it just, yeah. Yeah. If I wasn't doing this, I'd be there in a second. <laughs> <laughs> One thing I would add, though, to anyone who has been to Bitcoin Park, a common question I hear is, this is fucking awesome. How the hell do you guys pull this off? Like, I want to do this in my town. Oh, it's really hard. 
the hidden secret is so far we've lost a shit ton of money. Yeah. And and we we recently brought in Harry as our third partner. So it's me, Rod, and Harry. And it's like if we have a shortfall, like we're literally just spending our Bitcoin to make the thing run. Uh, it is not a profitable endeavor. Uh, I doubt I will ever re- accumulate the Bitcoin back that I've that I've put into the project. But I still think it's worth it. Uh, but you, I want people to go into it with that expectation. Don't go too big. Overestimate your costs. Yeah. Underestimate potential revenue opportunities to to make the thing sustainable and be as conservative as possible. You can always expand later. You can always go bigger later. Don't you know? Stay humble about it. Yeah, that, that you get. That's what you guys have instilled in me um, tremendously. And I think now when I look at things, it's just like, how do I get operational expense down? You know, and all that other stuff, but it's uh, yeah. It's I mean, you know to, it too, right? Like, what's the secret that, that Pleb Lab, you know, was was like? Oh, you guys just lost a shit ton of money <laughs> so far. <laughs> so far, we're we're kind of all everyone who's building community spaces for Bitcoin. We're all we're all just trying to make something that we really want to see yeah. happen work, and we're we're hopefully skating where the puck's going, but it is not a proven concept yet. Hundred percent. Yeah, there's there's some people that are starting up their own things here and around Central Texas, and that's I just tell them the truth, just like the hardcore truth that they need to hear. It's like 100%. you need you need to think this like ten years out, like you know. Yeah, dude. Thanks for coming. Don't on lie the, to yourself. Yeah, don't lie to yourself. Thanks for coming on the show, man. I appreciate you, man. I, uh, you know, words can't express how much love I have for you and and everybody. So thank you, man. Car, it's an honor and a privilege. I hope uh, to see you in person again soon, hopefully at the park. Yeah, Mining um, Summit. Let's do this. Yeah, Mining Summit in January. I would love to have you there. Uh, I'm always happy to come on the show and talk. Nice. I'm an open book. I enjoy it. And uh, it's it's fortunate that we got to do this right before Christmas, so I get to tell you Merry Christmas. Oh, thanks, dude. Merry Christmas to you and your family, and um, thank you for everything, and... Uh, yeah, we'll, 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 we'll do this again. Um, but uh, yeah, Happy New Year. Likewise, sir. Appreciate you.